0: Our first reading is from Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, Now we're reading from 1 Samuel, chapter 18. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war. He was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass, as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, And to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his hand as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him, made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. And now John chapter 19. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and others saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. And the Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? "'Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee "'and have power to release thee?' "'Jesus answered, "'Thou couldest have no power at all against me, "'except it were given thee from above. "'Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee "'hath the greater sin.' And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, gabathah. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold, your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. The word of God for the people of God.
1: Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely is how The saying goes, we live in a world today where power is both universally desired and abhorred. We have seen what can happen when people abuse power from the Holocaust to the current crackdown on protesters for democracy in China. We know the pain and loss of life that can and has occurred when those who are in power use it for their own aims. And yet, having power in and of itself is not an evil. Abraham Lincoln was the commander-in-chief of the Union Army and Navy during the Civil War, and it is not an exaggeration that his leadership during the 1860s is what led to the end of slavery in this country as with all of the things that can become idols in our lives as we continue this series on the false gods. So just like all of them that we have discussed up to this point, power like wealth and our appetites such as the desire for sex, they are not inherently bad and in fact are God-given. But it is when power becomes a god in our lives that great destruction can be wrought, not only upon ourselves, but upon the entire world itself. So we have three passages today that all deal with the abuse of power in Genesis. And many times most people wouldn't think of this as a issue with power But Adam and Eve begin to desire wisdom more than they desire to be led by God. And the appeal of this wisdom, the knowledge of good and evil, was that they would have the power to make the decision of what was good and evil on their own without God's involvement. So this is an issue with power. This is really the ultimate issue with power, and that is going back to saying might makes right we decide what is good and what is not good and so that is the problem that we have in genesis in first samuel we have what we would consider to be more of a traditional power problem saul is currently the king although god has removed his anointing from him. In other words, Saul has not allowed himself to be led by God. You start to see a pattern develop here. Saul has decided to not be led by God, and instead he began to do things his way, and he becomes aware of the fact that God has somebody else lined up as his chosen guy, and he knows it's David. And what happens in Saul's case is because he knows that there is someone else that is, quite frankly, better than him, he is afraid of him. He is afraid of losing his power. Power, when it becomes a God in our lives, has this tendency to make us want to cling to it, and we're afraid of losing it. We're afraid of somebody else gaining power over us. And in the Gospel of John, we have a totally different type of power struggle. Pilate is afraid of the people. And he's afraid of Jesus. And he's afraid of Caesar because all of them could lead to his downfall, his removal from power and experience the wrath of his superior Caesar. All three of these deal with either the fear of not having power or the fear of losing power or the fear of those that we know have power over us. And in all three cases, we see how destructive we and... Ourselves and life can become when we allow power to become a God. Adam and Eve basically break their relationship with God, and all of the problems and all of the the pain and sickness and evil in our world today comes as a direct result of that initial lust for power in first Samuel. Saul alienates his greatest asset. The guy that's winning battles for him. A guy that clearly has the blessing of God upon him. He alienates him, trying to kill him because he sees him as a threat to his own power. And in case, in the case of Pilate, because he gets drawn into the game of politics power plays, he sentences an innocent man to death. In and I apologize. There's going to be a few sermons here wherever where I bring up Star Wars a little bit, so hopefully that doesn't bug anybody. But in the Star Wars movie uh, *Revenge of the Sith*, the actor Ian McDiarmid, his character Chancellor Palpatine, is talking with the and the. Both the protagonist and antagonist of the story, Anakin Skywalker, who will eventually become corrupted uh, to become Darth Vader. He tells him a story about a previous evil magician that was named Darth Plagueis. And he explains that this sorcerer became powerful enough to cheat death. That is really the power that all people have been trying to gain since the beginning. And he goes on to say that the only thing that this evil man feared was losing his power. It was the only thing he feared, which ultimately happens when he is betrayed. One of the themes that we find when we look at abuses and the worship of power in Scripture is that fear of losing power or The fear of God holding power away from humanity is common. So if if you haven't noticed at this point, all of the false gods appeal to some kind of fear. The worship of wealth is the fear that if you don't do everything that wealth demands, you will never have enough to survive. When... Desire becomes a false god. Its appeal is that if you don't satisfy desire, the fear is you'll never be satisfied or happy. But the fear that power plays on is a little more direct. Its appeal is the fear of losing power itself. It tries to tell us that power is a zero-sum game, meaning you either have it or you don't. And so you better get it, otherwise somebody else will, and then you're going to be in trouble Adam and Eve feared that God wasn't being on the level with them. Saul feared that David was loved so well by the people that he might usurp authority from him. And Pilate feared that he would lose control of the situation and end up in trouble with Caesar. My point is this. We are so easily lured into the trap of believing that we can control our world and our circumstances. That is what the worship of power is all about. We want to be in complete control of our situations. And this is understandable. With so much uncertainty in the world, we want to secure ourselves. A while back, I... Read an article, that, and this may sound like kooky science fiction stuff, but literally there are scientists right now that are considering the possibilities of what it would take to basically cover the earth in a giant cloud to block out some sunlight to cool the earth down a bit. So I just want you to think for a minute what it would be like if every day looked like it does outside, every single day. It's not a very appealing thought. I've been to Scotland and I like Scotland. It tends to be cloudy, but once in a while you need some sunlight. In short, when we begin to serve power as a God, we try to put ourselves into the place of God. This is what happens when we serve God. When we serve well, power as a god. Rather than trusting and obeying, rather than serving, we desire to be served. We desire to control and to dominate. God calls us to be his image reflectors. He does not call us to be his editors. He doesn't call us to look at what he has made and say, you know what, that's not a bad idea, but I think I could make it better. It's not what God has done. Throughout history, we have tried to play God, building a tower into the heavens, building empires, and yes, trying to control the elements, splitting the atom. Power we have is God-given and meant to empower us to do God's will, but when we use it for our own selfish aims, we become enslaved to the God of power. And like Adam and Eve, like Saul, like Nebuchadnezzar, I didn't read his story, but he's another good one to use, and like Pilate, we lose some of our God-given humanity, and ironically, When we try to worship power, we end up losing the power that we were always intended to have. When I was in college, um, my favorite professor there was a man named uh, Jonathan Bean. He was very different from the majority of the faculty, particularly in terms of his politics, but I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to go down the road of politics here, but We'll just say he was entirely different than anybody else in the department. And his specialty uh, in terms of teaching and his focus was basically on government history, in particular, how government has a tendency to mess things up. Uh, And I took a class of his called uh, Unintended Consequences. And what the general theme was, was that when government and when society tries to look at a problem and go through mechanisms to try to fix it, more often than not, we make the problem worse. A good example is, you know, the little Japanese beetles that we have here. They're not native to here. We brought them here thinking that they would take care of another problem, but now they've kind of, you know, they overtake things. And that's, that's kind of a minor, small example of this. But when you add it all up, they're examples of humanity trying to play God. And every time we do it, we end up with unintended consequences. Maybe we meant well, but it generally doesn't play out well. The good news that we can glean from each of our passages today is that we do not need to be enslaved to the God of power. Adam and Eve had a choice. And we get the same choice every day. Every day that we wake up, we have a choice that we can make. Do I go and reach out and take the thing that I think that I need? Or will I be willing to sit down and let God show me what he alone can do? David was blessed because he listened to God. Jesus, in all of his divine might, could have annihilated Pilate and the entire Roman army, but he was a servant who willingly went to the cross, not out of weakness, but out of power. The ultimate power, you see, is to have power and not use it. That takes true strength. The allure of power is that it says that we can be in control, but the truth is we never were and we never can be. Only when we submit our wills to that of God can we begin to find our place in the grand design. Jesus models that for us in his life and he empowers us to do so through his death and resurrection. Next week, we will look at what it means to use our power to be true image bearers of God and what that would look like. But until then, resist the urge to try to be in control and instead trust in the good God who is the source of all power and all wisdom who has promised to make all things work for good for those who follow him. Amen. As we continue our worship today, let us join together on this World Communion Sunday as we prepare our hearts to share in Holy Communion, not just here and not just in this place, But with the Church Universal. The Lord be with you. you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, he broke it, giving thanks, said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, blessed it and gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this cup, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And as a united church, the body of Christ, one bread, one loaf, united and made holy by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Table has been set, the meal is prepared. Come as you will and of the Lord's Son. Closing hymn this morning is Freely, Freely. Most gracious and loving God, Lord, as we depart here today, we pray that you would go with us. Help us to trust in you and not in our own strength, that we would hear you, that we would follow you, and that we would know that you will make all things work for good for those that love you. We pray that you would guide us and direct us in our lives, that we might shine your light in the world. We give you all the thanks and praise ask that you go and be with us and bless us until we meet here again. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen, and go in peace.